Get your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. My, it's quiet in here. Yeah, thank you. Is there anybody? Okay, Kathy, you and I are going to have church now. Okay, because how many of you know it's good to be a believer? And it's good to get in the Word of God. I'm not here to, if you're seeking for God, we want to introduce Him to you. But we're, we're you know, you have seeker-friendly churches and all that. That's cool. Uh, we're a seeker-friendly church if you're seeking God. Uh, we're, there's nothing we are going to do that's going to wow you. Um, we're not here to impress you. We want God to impress you. We want God to make an impact on your life. So as so we get in the Word today, we're going to... We're going to stop a moment and pray, but I want to read to, to you. And how many of you recognize Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that this is a kind of a familiar passage of Scripture? Let's read it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, now check this out. We're praying for the nations. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We're going to talk this morning to you about contending for leadership. Learning what it means to pray for our nation and the nations. Let's, let's pray. Jesus, I ask that you would come this morning and that you would bypass, O oh God, our flesh as best as possible so that we can communicate these truths to hearts and lives. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, I just come and ask you that you would just clear minds right now, clear, clear hearts, clear attitudes, clear things up, God, so that we can hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, I pray over our North Campus right now, God, as, as, as the, the, the senior leader, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just begin to loose all the, any bondage that may remain, Lord, any manipulative spirit, anything, O oh God, that would seek to encroach upon what you want to do. I ask, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you'd begin to release a fountain of grace in this place, God, Release a fountain of grace in your people, God. Lord, I come against any tradition or any religious spirit that has lodged itself in our hearts. I pray you begin to release that. And Lord, I pray you begin to break that stronghold in our minds and in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some questions that need to be asked when you begin to pray for our nation and for the world. What does it mean to contend in prayer for the nations and the nations? What exactly does that mean? Another question that comes up is, what happens when the church, and that includes every individual, prays for the nation and the nations? There are things that happen when we pray. There are reasons why we pray for our nation. There are reasons why we pray for the nations of the world. And what happens to us when that occurs? And then we ask ourselves the question, why should I contend in prayer for the nations? What is it 
what is the motivation to be in my life, if any, to pray for our nation or to pray for the nations of the world? And what does contending in prayer for the nation mean to me personally and locally? How many of you know that we're, we, we can talk about the world, but as try as we might, every person in this room is always going to ask this question about everything you do. What does it mean to me? How does it affect me? At the end of our service this morning, you're going to see some pictures from some of our church, some people, and then from some of our churches in Africa. And what does those people mean to me? And what does it mean to me to spend time, money, and effort in prayer for our nation and for the nations of the world? How does it affect me locally? I think you'll find when we're done that, that it not only affects us greatly, but we live in an era and a culture due to travel and technology and economic interaction that what other nations do now in our culture have a effect upon us one of the one of the as you know if you if you're a study of true history now we have to we have to say those words now because there's all kinds of revised history in america in our classrooms they're teaching revised history i'm talking about real history that happened in real time and really took place as it's been recorded not politically motivated or politically meandered so that it fits our ideology of the culture when you get and begin to study history you find that the scripture the word of god is true that any nation who makes god its lord is a nation that is prosperous, is a nation that's moving forward, and it not only affects a nation, it affects you locally. We have seen on the mission field, we have seen in, in areas of the United States where as God's people begin to pray and make God Lord, that area begins to prosper. L- let, me just, let me just help you with this for a moment. This is not politically motivated, but this just helps you to understand. Studies are showing now, during this long, drawn-out recession that's going on, that the states and, and localities where a liberal mindset, and you happen to be living in one of those areas, where a liberal mindset is the order of the day and is not challenged, those areas have the highest unemployment. You want to know why? Because What's happening in people's lives begins to affect you. What happens when our leaders interact with other nations of the world and do not have the right righteous moral background in their life, it will affect you locally. You know, it's, it, it, it's so weird how we forget how that what happens in South America eventually is going to happen to us. It's going to affect. And we've lived in this cocoon for so long in America and in the American church. People have said, how do you feel about this or that and what's going on politically? I don't like it, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm rejoicing in it because the church is either going to have to wake up and start praying and acting like men and women of God or they're going to find themselves in deep persecution. 
The church is going to have to wake up and start contending in prayer and really seeking the face of God for His will, His kingdom to come, and for us to be delivered from evil, or we're going to get a taste of what it means to walk through tribulation. And the church in America is not ready for that. The church in America is not ready to deal with those issues. And so when we begin to contend in prayer for a nation or nations, we must understand it's not just some global thing, you know, with Michael Jackson leading us in a chorus of we are the world. It means when I pray for the nations, I am asking for Jesus to come and be the leader, rightful leader of this planet. And that will affect global and local both together. So we find that when we pray, it does affect us locally. You know, does it really affect me or anything? Me? Here's one of the questions people ask me. Well, you know, I, I, I pray for the nation, but you know what? What happens in Washington, D.C. or in Olympia or in Salem? It really doesn't have an impact on me. Are you kidding me? Are you seriously kidding me? Usually I have then a long half-hour discussion with drawings for them to help them understand in their ignorance that what, what happens in the leader's life, oh, come on, affects you. It affects you. And so what we need to understand is, yes, praying for the leadership in Washington, praying for the leadership in Olympia, praying for the leadership in Salem, praying for the leaders of the world, praying some leaders out and praying some leaders in is a very scriptural and biblical thing to do. Now, I'm going to probably before the morning's over really hack some of you off, especially if you're liberal leaning, but hey, I can't help it. That's just me. Intentions revealed. To contend for the nation or nations is to understand the purpose and role of the church from God's perspective. Now, Brian began to undo this a little bit as he talked about praying for, a, for a new, the next generation. But I want to just totally unwrap it as far as I can and help you understand. And I want every person, this, is, this might be new to some of you, because some of you, you've gotten saved and you thought, man, my life's getting better now, I'm saved, and, and we're walking down the daffodil row and everything's wonderful and skip to the loo, my darling, and everything's good. Well, let me tell you something, that's not why you were, what you were saved for. You were never saved to come to church on a Sunday morning and sit on your backside and to sing a few songs, learn the Word of God, leave and go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Take a day off, go if you get one, as some of you don't. Take a day off, go fishing, skiing, whatever, and then come back to church, sit on your backside, sing a few songs, skip to the loo, my darling, go home, have some barbecue on the way home, because barbecue is always good, it always helps your persona, and you go home, and you start the whole thing all over again. That is not the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. You are called to something higher. You were called to rule and to reign with Christ Jesus. You were called with a purpose to have an impact on this planet. In fact, the Scripture says in Genesis 1.26, you were made in the likeness of God and you were given dominion over the earth. So I take that real seriously. I take it seriously in my home. 
So what do you mean? It starts in the home. A g- praying for the nation starts in praying for your home. Because if you're not in God's will in your home, how can you pray for the nation? It starts in my home. It starts in my neighborhood. It starts in my local elementary school. It starts, it starts in every area of the government. I work my way up. Why? Because I was called as a believer to rule and reign with Christ. I take that seriously. And if the church doesn't take that seriously, then what happens is God will, this is a scriptural principle, God raises up a people to bring His people into bondage until they get sick of it. Now, I'm just kind of a lazy guy, I guess, but I'd like to skip that part. And the only way I know to skip that part is to do and to fulfill the purpose that God has called me for. And the church is called for a purpose. This church, in the fact that we, we've got the doors open, we're moving here on the north side, we're doing something. This church is to join with the other bodies of, uh, of, of the Lord in this area, collectively together, we're to push out the kingdom of darkness and to raise up the church of Jesus Christ, to raise the atmosphere of His Spirit in Clark County so that God can do some incredible things. How many of you would like to see your neighborhood one to Christ. How many of you'd like to see your neighborhood get a little quieter because Jesus is there? I'll vote for that one. Oh my goodness. How many of you understand that you were called to just more than just religion? To contend for the nation means that I have truly come into a place of intimacy with Jesus where I experience to a degree the passion of His heart for his people. Psalms 2 8 says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. This is speaking of Jesus. I will give you the nations as an inheritance. You know what Jesus' inheritance is? The nations of the world. And here's the deal. Everybody look up here for a moment. Here's the deal. If I can't have compassion, you know, it was really funny. Last night, Steph called me about 10 o'clock. She was putting some of the stuff together to, for me today. And and uh, we'd flown in about six o'clock, and I, I and I was just finishing up some stuff and and um, trying to find what I put in my suitcase was the deal. And as she called, and actually I was bringing back coffee with me, and I and she called and she says, "Dad, can you check on YouTube? I put it on YouTube. What I wanted, what we're going to look at this morning. And this is this is this will tell you where your intimacy with Jesus is. The minute I begin to watch it." I begin to have tears because I see these people and I see the lostness of them and I realize Jesus cares about these people. Now, how do I come to that conclusion? I come to that conclusion because when you're intimate with Jesus, you begin to understand his heart for the world. Let me help you out a little bit more. The reason you don't have a heart for the world is you don't have a heart for Jesus. Oh, but I love Jesus. No, you don't. I beg to differ with you. If you love Jesus, your neighborhood would know that you're there. 
I don't know how else to put this. I could do a little tap dance with it, but that won't work either. If you love Jesus, you care about people. You don't care about just going to church. You don't care just about paying your tithe. You care about people. Pastor's son, we, we were on the eldership of a church there in Lathrop, Kansas City area. And so we, we go back every so often, stay with them, minister to them, lift up their hands, help them through some stuff. And uh, I'm also, you know, if anything would happen to this couple, Elizabeth and I would have to raise their children, so I'd make them take physicals while I'm there. I check their blood pressure, everything. No disease is good. Drive slower. You know, I mean, because I, they're, the, both the kids now are teenagers, 13. Uh, 12 and 14. I do not want that in my home. <laughs> Done my duty and uh, got rid of all three of mine. They're gone. Uh, I'm, I, the neat thing about grandkids, can I tell you what the neatest thing about grandkids is? They go home. <laughs> it is so cool. I'm done with you, Malachi. Call your mom. Have her come get you. It's neat. I mean, it is the best arrangement that could ever be. So we're there and, and the little 12-year-old, he's a little guy. This, this, this helps you understand intimacy with Christ. He's just a, he's, Isaac's about 5'4 now, and he still likes to come and sit on Papa Steve's lap, and we, we go out and we play ball. He's a football player. And, and uh, Isaac came home last week, and uh, he's been coming home super hungry from school. And his parents can't figure out, Isaac, why are you so hungry? We, we gave you money for lunch. We've put money in your lunch account at school, and... Aren't you eating lunch? And finally he breaks down and he says, well, I've been giving my lunch away. So what are you doing giving your lunch away? He says, well, Darren, he don't have no lunch money and his parents didn't sign him up for free lunch. And he really needs the food, Mom. You know what? With Isaac, every day he prays. Check this out. Twelve years old, sixth grade, middle school. That in sixth grade and middle school is kind of the bottom of the rung, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're low on the food chain, okay? Sixth grade, comes to his mom and says, mom and dad, and says, uh, our church, our, our school needs a Bible study. Tuesday this week while we were there, he had his first Bible study. 23 kids shut up. You know what he's doing? He's in intimacy with Jesus, and as he's in intimacy with Jesus, he sees the needs of other people as to be his concern. See, we, can, we, we love to worship, oh, you know, your face outshines the brightness, sun. And over here, I know they're starving, but I want to worship you. I know they're going to hell, but I want to worship you. Just don't bug me with it right now, God. Hallelujah. Oh, I hear their screams, but Jesus, I'll scream louder for you. Excuse me. That's not what the Scripture intended. That's not the intention of God's heart. That's why I am obligated and called as a believer to bow my knee before the King of the earth and pray not just for myself, but for my neighborhood, my city, my state, my nation, and my, the nations of the world. Why? Because this morning, as I stand here before you and talk, in heaven, Jesus is interceding before the Father for the nations of the world. That's His heart. Trying to get some DNA into our church that understands if we're going to be what God's called us to be, we've got to do what Jesus said. Lift up your eyes. Look at the harvest. 
for it's white. It's ready to, it's ready to be harvested. To contend means that the church are in fact praying. Now you gotta hang on to this one. Are in fact praying for Jesus to be the leader of the world, to take his rightful place as king of the nation. When you pray, oh God, touch the people in Ghana. Touch, the, touch Pastor Frank this morning in, in Kamasi, Ghana. Well, now it's eight hours later. He's done. Well, actually, he's not done. He's got 23 churches that he's got to get to every week. You think I'm busy just going back and forth between two. Try 23 and hoping to expand into Nigeria and over into the Ivory Coast. You understand what's going on here? He's got a heart for Jesus and he's got a heart for... So as when I pray for Pastor Frank, I'm, I'm not asking, oh God, just bless him for the sake of so that he don't have to you know, have it tough like everybody else does. I'm asking for Jesus to take his rightful place of leadership on this planet. I'm asking for Jesus to come and deal, and we're just in just a moment we're going to quickly deal with the levels of, 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 of fight that we have to go through when we pray. But I'm asking Jesus to be the leader of the world and to dethrone Satan in Ghana. When I ask Jesus to touch the people in Brazil, when I ask Him to touch the people in South Africa, when I ask Him to touch, bring an outpouring in Japan, when I ask Him to do these things... I'm asking him to take his rightful place as leader of the world. And that's a lot different than, oh, God, bless, you know, you know, bless these people over here and God just, just meet their needs. No, no, no. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to cry out night and day for Jesus to come and to take his rightful place as leader of the world. That's what it means to contend in prayer for the nations. It's a very personal thing. Intentions revealed to pray for Jesus' leadership will take a clear view of His place of leadership in our personal, individual lives. I will never bow my knee and pray for anybody if I have not accepted that Jesus, You're the ultimate boss in my life. And that I trust Your leadership. Oh, let me help you. You ever had anybody you didn't trust? You didn't go around recommending them, did you? Come on. Oh, I don't trust them, but I'll recommend them to you. What is that? That's why we don't recommend Jesus too many times to too many people, because we don't trust Him totally yet. But when you trust Him, you recommend Him. Come on. You say, well, what do you mean? Do you trust Him with your life? When you trust Him with your life, it's easy to trust His leadership. And when you trust His leadership and you find out, you know what, He knows exactly what He's doing with my life. He's, he's not as dumb as people say He is. He's God, for crying out loud. He knows what He's doing. I think I'll trust Him with the world. I'll recommend Him to you. How, how many of you know, have you ever, you ever had a good auto mechanic? See, I, I have to have good auto mechanics. I don't know one end of the screwdriver from another. In fact, one group of guys, one church I pastored one time, they gave me a Father's Day gift, a screwdriver with a plug with a, a plug-in attached. I, I thought it was real and almost electrocuted myself plugging that thing in. I have no idea. You know, somebody says, well, how, how's the car? Is, is, is all the valves working? And I'm looking for something like, you know, 
like you have in your yard. You know, valves in a car. I did not know. You know, you know. Well, how, how are the the pistons? Well, Detroit's doing good this year. It looks like they're gonna have a good basketball team. You know, I haven't a clue. I'm serious. You know, I know when it runs out of gas. <laughs> that much I figured out because it says so on the little thingy. And uh, so I, I don't, you know, he said, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, how many horsepower? I didn't know it had horses in there. I just, it's just there. So I have to rely on a mechanic. And I have been burned a few times because, you know what, you could sell me anything if you're a mechanic. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I do need a percolator on the, on the carburetor. I don't know. There's no such thing, I don't think. But I don't know. But when I do find one, you know what I do? I trust him and I recommend, hey man, you need your car fixed? Go to this guy. He hasn't ripped me off. Come on. How many times do you, do you really tell people, hey, let me recommend you Jesus. He's never ripped me off. He's never taken advantage of me. In fact, He is the wonderful, mighty God, Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. And you know what? The government, every leadership activity has been placed on His shoulders, and I trust Him. So when I trust Him that much, I will recommend Him to the nations. It means I'm going to trust Jesus' leadership. It will mean we really believe He is who He says He is beyond our simplistic view of our lives and involvement. I am troubled, friends, in the, with the church today. And I know this is going... I know a lot of people listen to, to our podcast. So here it goes. This is going to get Stevie in a lot of trouble, but here it goes. Doesn't care. I think it's abominable when we begin to place other religions in equality to our faith in Jesus Christ. One famous guy, he says, yeah, I've joined the Muslims for, for Ramadan and prayer. How outrageous. It, it's, it's so simple. How many of you heard of the Ten Commandments? Guess what the first one is? It's real easy. It's, it's not a multiple choice. You will have no zip. Zero, zilch, nada, no other gods before me. Period. Not equal. Not shared. That's why we don't pray for the nations of the world, because we really don't believe Jesus is who He says He is. But when we believe in our hearts that He is the Son of God and that the Scripture is true when it says you can't get to the Father except through Him, that changes how I deal with the nations of the world. Let me tell you something. Muhammad's dead. As a macro man, stinky dead bones, they can't even find him. Buddha did never show up. Plus he needs a weight loss. Just list them all. They're dead. There's only one that's alive this morning. We're seen with many eyewitnesses. Those things we have seen and heard and have handled with our own hands the Word of life. 
When you believe who Jesus says he is, it gives you a boldness to speak the truth and to pray and to contend for the nations of the world. You know what? I don't want the people in Ghana to have a little touch of Islam and a touch of Jesus. I want them to be immersed in Jesus and tear down Islam. Excuse me, but I'm just that... I'm a a radical right winger. Uh, Yeah, I'm a hick. Not really. I mean, I was with Hicks last week. Don't tell anybody. But it's a mullet convention in Missouri. Okay, I'm just telling you. We went to a Friday night football game, local football game. We had to drive an hour over farms and everything else, you know. And I was praying because my friend was driving crazy. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you get to these games and you just marvel. There are still people like this. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, they don't have a lot of police there. You'll get shot if you steal. So it's really, it's an amazing place. And uh, what happened? Well, I tried to steal and the farmer shot me. And uh, it's just a real cool place. And, uh, uh, you know, but but here's, 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 you've got to understand, friends. When, When you believe who he says he is, then you can truly contend for the nations. But if you have any doubt, you're not going to lay it out there. You're not going to go after it. And, and we're going to wind up here in just a moment. It means we'll trust Him enough to not be offended. There's going to be a lot of people offended at Jesus in the next 20 years. People in America are going to be offended. Because if we don't change... I, I forgot to wear... You didn't... I, let me borrow it. Give it. I have one of these and I left the house without it. I wear this on my wrist every day, but today, of course, it says life on it. You know what it's for? I'm dogmatic about this, absolutely dogmatic. We, we wear these because every time we see them, we stop. We say, Jesus, will you not bring the sin of abortion in the United States to its need? The genocide of a generation, will you not stop it? Will you not use me to stop it? I'm that serious about it, friends. Why? Because if we don't stop, besides the fact it's destroying a generation, if we don't stop, God has no recourse. But if He dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah, He's going to deal with us. I trust His leadership, though, to know that He knows what He's doing. And that when it does take place, I trust Him enough that He's going to take care of me through the process. But in order to pray for the nations, I have to trust His leadership and trust the answers and the judgments that that He has. We're going to to do this real quick so they can get get the, the video ready here. But levels of national government. I want to just go through this so this will help you pray. There are, there are basic levels out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that give us levels of national government. You thought, huh? I thought that was a spiritual warfare scripture. Well, it is, and it gives us levels of national governments. Here it is, flesh and blood. What's the flesh and blood government in America? Congress, the Senate, executive branch, judicial branch, the mayor, councilman, congressman, what you see. Flesh and blood, that is the visible, flesh and blood is the visible level of government. You say visible level of government. You're not one of those guys that think there's another government behind the government, is you? No, because I have a foundational belief. There's one kingdom 
and one group of usurpers that are trying to be a kingdom. There's two sides. That's it. There's not three or four or, you know, guys, there's the kingdom of God and the domain of darkness. That's it. So somebody is calling the shots somewhere. So we have flesh and blood. However, the flesh and blood must have a source within the human structure. This refers to plans, ideology that includes human leaders, media, financial systems, etc. Who is enthroned on the heart of the human leader will determine the direction he or she takes. I remember one, one summer we were back in Cape Cod and we'd gone out to, to, to the end of the, the island there and uh, was where the, what's that? Provincetown where the Mayflower first in, in those ships first landed. When you read the declarations that the founders of our nation wrote, absolutely pure scripture, talking about the majesty and the greatness of God. There was a time when Jesus was literally enthroned on the people's heart of this nation. But now, did you know that Provincetown is the number one gay area in all of Massachusetts? Where the founding started, the enemy has corrupted. So whatever's enthroned, whoever's enthroned on people's, on the flesh and blood heart, that's going to determine their ideology, their plans, how they carry it out, and how it functions. I know this seems like a history class to some of you, but I think it's the church, time for the church, even in small churches, to wake up to the fact things are different, friends. You better start paying attention to what you read, what you hear, and what, what you're understanding, or you're going to be complaining sometime in the future, gosh, what happened? Well, you have to get your heart in tune and start praying for the nations. Now, principalities is the next level. Principalities is a regional spiritual structure that will endeavor to control the nation or nations toward either a, a godly dominion or a demonic dominion. How many of you know that over the northwest region there has been a principality of independence. There's been a principality. Right now we're fighting a tremendous principality of, uh, of immorality that is, is beyond the pale in the area of, of homosexual and gay lifestyle is affecting our culture and is affecting the church of Jesus Christ. However, I have got good news for you. You travel across the state and parts of Oregon. There is beginning to be a crack in the principality that hangs over this, these two states because God is about to show the world I can move even in the Northwest. Washington, who was number 48 in the least church states in the Union, is no longer that low because churches are rising up, planting more churches and more churches and more churches. How many of you know God is on the move and He will deal with the principality that is there? There's the powers. These are local and national power brokers that deal with the government, the media, and financial system. You say, I don't get that. Ephesians 2.1 says that it talks about the prince of the power of the air. Who is it referring to? Referring to the enemy. Let me tell you something. Where we're at in America right now didn't happen overnight. I've watched it. I, I, I went to high school. I was a graduate in the 70s, okay? So I've had a lifetime to watch the last four decades have things have gotten continually worse and worse, and it's accelerated. You know why? Because the media pumps crud into our brain, and we don't have the good enough godly sense to turn it off. 
Man, even my, my five and six year old grandkids, of course, they're kind of legalists, but even they got a hold of that. Papa, we shouldn't be watching this cartoon. Why? Because there's this coming up and that coming. Going, you've been hanging out with your mom again. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll turn it. You know. It's like, man, I like, I like Iron Man. What's the deal here? Come on. You know. But how many of you know? If a kid can figure it out, what's wrong with my brain? Come on. Rulers, rulers of darkness. Behind every Hitler is a ruler of darkness. Behind every Idi Amin is a ruler of darkness. Behind every Rwanda is a ruler of darkness. I drove through the ruins of what was left of the communist government in Ethiopia. And now Ethiopia and Eritrea, its neighboring country, have been at war now for several, several years. Cousins killing each other. Behind that is a ruler of darkness. Stood in Kenya and Tanzania, Uganda, and watched and observed what the ruler of darkness has done to people. Today, in the Middle East and Iran, more believers will go home to be with Jesus because there's a ruler of darkness. And the only people that can stop that ruler of darkness is not the President of the United States. But it's us who have been called to the leadership of praying for the nations. When's the last time, instead of criticizing a Middle Eastern nation and the terrorism that comes out of it, you bowed your knee and said, Oh God, will you not break and overrun the ruler of darkness that is driving this? Elizabeth and I were were in the air on 9-11. We were getting ready to land in Chicago. That morning we had boarded a plane. (laughs) In Providence, Rhode Island, we were scheduled to fly out of Boston that morning. But for some reason, all of our arrangements had to be changed and we flew out of Providence that morning. While we were in line in Providence, Rhode Island, getting ready, a guy gets, a guy, two guys in front of us, a Middle Eastern man, is thrown out of line because his ID did not match up to his plane ticket. We knew nothing that was happening until we went to... I've landed in Chicago O'Hare so many times in my life. And as we were getting ready to land, the landing gear came down. All of a sudden it came up and we started circling. And I told my wife, I said, something's screwy. And I noticed that the, that the stewardesses are all talking. And, the, and when we landed, they told us, you get off the plane, just grab... You don't, don't even grab your bags, just get off the plane. And eventually they let us get our bags and we went. You know what the first things I did when I got to my hotel room on that day? Because it was just... In Chicago O'Hare, you empty out the O'Hare airport, you're emptying out... Thousands of people out into the street. Thousands. It was madhouse. We finally got a hotel way out outskirts of Chicago. One of the first calls that I made, you can ask her, was I, I had been ministering in this, this area, still do from time to time, to Arabic-speaking people. My first call was to them. I wanted to make sure they were okay. Why? Because I understand there's a ruler of darkness. And I don't wrestle against the flesh and blood, but I wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places.
We should never be against the people. We should always be against the ruler of darkness. I close with this. Daniel chapter 10. I want everybody to turn with me to that scripture this morning. We're out of time. How many of you have learned something this morning? I'm going to ask Stephanie to come to the front and sit down next to her mom. Join me. Steph's going to lead us in prayer in just a moment. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Daniel's having an encounter with an angelic being. He says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, O Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. And I want church, I want you to stop there before we finish it. I want your eye contact for a moment. Would it be said of me Would an angel show up because of me in Iran? Would it be said of me, your words have been heard, O Stephen, and I have come in response to your words. What's he talking about? Daniel, I've showed up because you were praying. I've showed up because you were praying. That's what I, that's my goal, is that that there's visitations happening in diverse places of this world because my words have been heard before the throne of God and God is acting according to what I have prayed. Look what it says. He says, I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with these kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the revision refers to the days yet to come. We are now living, I firmly believe, we're living in those days that Daniel was speaking of and wrote about. But we're not done praying. We're not done. Because there are principalities. I, I look forward to the day, and I say this with all humbleness, I look forward to the day when this school is filled on a Sunday morning with, with people hungry for God. Why? Because the prince of the power of the air that hangs over Portland, Vancouver has been defeated because our words have been continual before the throne of God. Where your sons and your daughters are being impacted because our words have been powerful at the throne of God. Because we have decided to trust the leadership of Jesus. Are you ready with that video? If you could, please. Lord, we pray that our hearts would begin to be broken for your people. Lord, we pray that we would begin to feel your heart, Lord, for those that don't even know you exist yet. Lord, we ask, Lord Jesus, right now for the nations. Lord, we speak to those nations that are closed to you, that they would be open in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would give us a soberness in regards to your gospel, that you would give us a soberness in regards to our responsibility and the call that you have given each one of us to share what you have done with others. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would begin to contend for the nations, 
that we would begin to pray for the nations, that we would begin to pray for our neighborhoods, for our country, and for the countries of the world. Lord, I ask that you would begin to reveal to our hearts what you would have us do, that you would share with us, Lord God, and give us a burden of what you want us to do, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as we pray for the nations, we know that we are praying, Lord Jesus, for you to come. We are praying for you to be the government and ruler of the nations, Lord Jesus. We are praying for your return. Lord, we pray for the for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord Jesus, for the gospel to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the world, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that your word is true. We thank you that you have already won. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word says all nations will bow. And so, Lord, we say come, and we say come quickly. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Lift your hands. Let's begin to pray now. I want you, we're going to pray very specifically right now for, we're going to pray for Pastor Frank Appointing in Kamasi, Ghana. Can we do that? His wife, Cecilia, we're going to pray for him right now. Jesus, Lord, time and distance does not keep us from our brother this morning, God. Right now, Lord, I pray for Pastor Frank, Jesus, that you would be the glory and the lifter of his head. Lord God, that you would come Lord, you'd begin to remove every, every God, principality and power and ruler of darkness and wickedness in high places, God, over the nation of Ghana right now, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, to the north, Lord, to Ivory Coast, Jesus, and down to Liberia, God, and Nigeria, and out to Burkina Faso, Lord God. All the areas, Lord Jesus, that you have used us in father i pray god that you'd begin to work oh god lord we pray over japan this morning lord we think of the kalers god and the mercers lord and others oh god that are in japan lord we're asking in this and that nation god that you begin to remove the principalities and powers lord there will no longer be just small little churches in that nation god but there would be an outpouring of your holy spirit because the rulers of wickedness in high places have been brought down by the prayers of the saints. God, we pray, Lord God, for Latin America, Lord God, that You would continue to work, O oh God. You see, Lord Jesus, how Islam is creeping into every facet of our world. And God, we pray You'll redeem men and women, O oh God. Lord, I pray there be a love for people in the church's heart, God, again. Not to see them, Jesus, as enemies, but to see them, God, through the compassionate eyes that you see them through. And Jesus, we trust your leadership. Lord, as a church, we stand before you this morning and we lift our hands and our hearts to you and say, Jesus, we trust your leadership. We trust your leadership in our home. We trust your leadership on our job. We trust your leadership, God, in our city. We trust your leadership in our state, Lord. We trust your leadership, O oh God, in our nation. We trust your leadership in the matters and affairs of this world. And out of our lips, we join with the Spirit of God. And we sing to you and we say, O oh God, the Spirit and the Bride, they say to you, Jesus, come. Come again and rule and reign. Rule and reign on this planet again, O oh God. 
Jesus, I pray you'd awaken your church. Lord, as I've read history and I've read what happened in Germany, oh God, and how so much of the church ignored the signs of the time, help us, God, not to be ignorant. But let our spirits be filled and let us understand that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That day is coming and Lord, it's up to us to be a part of it. We trust your leadership, oh God. Now, Lord, we take time to pray over our neighborhood right now. We pray over our neighborhood. Jesus, will you not come and deal with the principalities and powers in our neighborhood? We pray over our city, God. I pray over Camas, Washougal, Vancouver, God. Lord Jesus, battleground, Lord. I pray, Jesus, will you not come and rule over our cities? Jesus, will something break in our heart that we will not begin to cry out day and night? Come and rule. Will we not lift up our voices anew with a burden that says, Come and rule and reign over our city? Lord, I pray over Portland right now, God. Will you not come and rule and reign in Portland? Will you not come and break down the principalities and powers that have ruled for decades over this city, God? Will you not rescue those who are perishing, oh God? Will you not use this, oh God? Will we not bow to you and entrust your leadership and let it change us, oh God?